Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, so let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo, this gives me the collie wobbles just thinking about it. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to be continuing our walk through the Bible. We are now up to Exodus 32. And up to this point, Moses has been hanging out with God in some kind of fashion. Some would say a holy convocation. And I like that. Holy convocation. Uh, Because he's been hanging out with God. God's been giving him blueprints, giving him plans uh, of what the children of Israel are going to be doing. Like... Moses has been having a, a, a information overload with God this whole time. And now he's just now about to descend the mountain. And so let's continue on in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. And Aaron said to them, and this is what, this this kind of bothers me. Did Aaron at any point try to fight this? Because I'm just about to read. He says, okay, break off your golden earrings, which are on your ears, your wives and your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. It seems like Aaron... And Aaron is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is he not the high priest at this point? It seems like, as it's setting this up, they want, like, a replacement for Moses. You know, they're like, Moses is gone, and we don't know what's become of him. And that makes me think how, in the beginning of this whole story, God told Moses that, you know, Moses, you will be like a god, you will be like God to the people, and Aaron will be like, you know, the the mouthpiece, right? Like, you'll be like God to them. So it's like, he's kind of the physical representation of God to them. So they just, like, need a replacement physical representation. I, I guess, though, but why didn't, at least it doesn't seem like Aaron fought this. Right, because I don't know if that was that weird. It seems like he just fell right in line. Although, although this could be one of those instances that Mo, that Moses is just writing this story down in in the quick, rapid succession. You know what I mean? If he wrote down every little detail about what people were feeling and thinking, this the Exodus would be triple the size it is. Right, and I right. think Aaron is probably worried about Moses too, and you know I'm sure in that culture, like it just wasn't that weird to have like a physical manifestation of God. And he, Aaron was probably like, well, that's not my job. So I don't know. If memory serves me correctly, there is an explanation as to why Aaron did what he did later on. 
in one of these books. I, I don't remember if it's in this one or in one of the next ones. Oh, some, like maybe Deuteronomy or something? Yeah, I, I believe some author elaborates on why Aaron did what he did. So I think we have to be patient. Okay. Mm. Are you saying that like you don't know or like However, you know what it is, you're just not going to share it with us? <laughs> I don't know where it is at this moment. <laughs> I'm going off of memory. I remember going off of a Bible study as to why I earned it. That was then. This is now. <laughs> I do not have my notes with me, unfortunately. So uh, I didn't do any notes with this. Okay, wait. I think uh, I found it. So Okay, it doesn't. Um, so it's Deuteronomy chapter 9. Um, and it does kind of give a summary, an even shorter version. It's like, remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord that God to wrath in the wilderness. Um, and how you have been in rebellion, how you're rebellious against the Lord. This is like a really old King James version. So I'm kind of trying to make it into nor normal English. Um, how you provoked the Lord to wrath and the Lord was so angry that he was going to destroy you. Um, and it talks about how Moses went up to the water and fasted for 40 days and the Lord delivered onto me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. At the end of the 40 days, Lord gave me the tablets of the covenant. Um, and the Lord said, go down. And it kind of just like, yeah, it gives the story again, but it doesn't, it just talks about, it sound, yeah, it there sounds yeah, sounds like it's just people. They already yeah sinned against you. They made a molten calf and they turned aside quickly out out of the way. Those the Lord command you. So I don't think it really gives any more details. It gives like so lessons. yeah. It sounds like we're not going to get a whole lot of detail out of this. I'm just saying to me, it seems like Aaron just kind of like okay, <sighs> yeah. But anyway, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and continue on. So 32, 2, and Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molted, molted, molded? No, I'm sorry. Mine says molded. Calf. Does anybody else have anything else? Mm -mm. I have molten. M molten. Molten. Okay. So, yeah, I guess a couple things. Yeah, but so I was always told that the, it was a wooden calf covered in gold. So it sounds like this is an actual, he shaped a chunk of gold that they melted. Right. But if that's the case, it couldn't have been too big because of the weight of gold and to, to melt down something like that would have taken ages to build a smelter long enough or large enough to put that much gold together. I don't know. Maybe I could be off on that. I'm just saying it, it, it sounded sounds to me like he shaped it around something. At least that's what I know. That was a common. Could it be that there were two calves, two versions? I don't know. So I would like to say, this is interesting to hear that the Hebrews had earrings in their ear that were not slaves. What do you mean? The earrings. Well, there's, I know, of a few views people hold that we should not wear jewelry. And that includes earrings. I'm not one of them, but um, I'd like to point out that here, the Hebrews were here. 
wearing earrings. They were wearing jewelry. Their wives yeah. were wearing jewelry. They wasn't yeah, just slaves. This was also, though, now, uh, before they were given exactly, those type of wanna... things. Yeah. Yes. However, they did keep the Sabbath. Yeah, they definitely were. Now. So they had some kind of idea what God wanted, and they were still here. They were still wearing earrings. Enough to make a golden calf. However big it was. A lot of that stuff came from Egypt because, and we t we've talked about this in previous episodes, a lot of this, the the precious metals and gems that they had on hand to build the temple and everything, what came from Egypt, because just before they left Egypt, God's, God commanded them, go to your masters and ask for payment. Go to your masters and, and ask for your payment for how many years you've worked for them. And the Egyptians were so excited to get rid of them that they just lavished them with every precious thing that they could possibly have and said, just get out, just leave, you know, because of it all the plagues they caused. It was in their ears. It still says yeah. it was in their ears. <laughs> oh, no, I know that. Go I'm out not... and get earrings. I'm not saying go out and put on jewelry. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is it would have came from that. So, but obviously they would have been influenced heavily by the Egyptian culture to begin with. So we're not talking about up to this point, if I can just say this, up to this point, Israel is still technically not Jewish. They are not Jewish. As far as the religious culture is concerned, they're not. They're just following this guy named Moses into the wilderness. They, they've they lost, honestly, a lot of their culture all the way from Abraham. They've lost a lot know. of it There's because they hung out. about God's righteousness and rules and regulations being before this. There is. And regardless of their, you know, what has been um, influenced by outside of God's influence, it's, they still have their earrings. This could either be an example of what you just said, or it could be an example of something else. Yeah, I just, I feel like the whole, I don't know, jewelry thing is, I mean, a complete other topic, but I know that later in like the, prophets you know he talks about how he's gonna dress up his people with crowns of gold and earrings and jewels and you know all the things so it's obviously i don't know not <laughs> i'm making a facial expression for those of you that can't see yeah. me. <laughs> i'm smiling as well <laughs> well like a lot of things like a lot of things in scripture jewelry the the main point in jewelry is why are you wearing it? That like almost everything that, that Jesus really, you know, harps on. Honestly, maybe I should just say a blanket statement. Everything he talks about, it's about the mindset behind doing it. So, like the example that I said earlier, maybe it's another example. That's what I was talking about. The mindset. Here is a mindset. Now we don't know what mindset that they were in, except for that they were willing to make a golden calf. We can't say why they were wearing earrings in the first place. However, there is a mindset to it. If they were willing to make a make a golden calf, I would say they were probably to start with, they were probably not in the best of mindsets because they were willing to to disobey the Lord right off the bat. They, think about this. Just a few days before this, few days before this, they told God everything that you say, I, we will do. And he, already, he, he gave them the Ten Commandments, like verbally, right? And I'm just saying, like, days later, because Moses is missing, 
you know, Moses is supposedly MIA. All of a sudden, they just it, it's gone. And I don't I don't want to harp on him too bad because we do the same thing. You know, when bad times start coming or we don't know what's around the corner, we do the same thing. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Um, okay, so halfway through verse four, <laughs> then they said, "This is your God." Oh, wait, they said, so this is not Aaron saying this, so so this is apparently the crowd. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now that I find interesting. They attribute everything that just happened in the past several months to something they just made, right? Yeah. Well, and actually, though, in the original text, like, that's, it's not just your God. It's, this is Yotevave. Like, so again, they're not like, they think that they're attributing it to the God that brought them out. Like they're putting a, an image to him. So they're trying to, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Which, so it's that, like, that puts a whole, I'm so sorry to interrupt. The Ten Commandments. I'm just saying that puts a whole nother dimension on this because that yeah, means that they're, commandment. they're like, okay, we're going to keep it, but we're going to keep it our way, God. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> well, I think it. Yeah, it just puts a different perspective on, like, what... Like, it's not just that they made their own false god, you know. It's that they they just put an image and said, this is you, God. Like, you're the one that saved us, instead of being, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, basically, they uh, went against the second commandment and made a, as what you said, a version of what they thought God looked like, and they bowed down and worshipped it. Right. Sorry. Anyway, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll continue on a little bit. Okay. Uh, verse 5. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord. I find that interesting because it says the same thing in, in my Bible. It says capital L-O-R-D. So you're right. Yeah. So they're trying to, they're trying to keep it in their own way. Verse 6. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rise up to play. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. Bum, bum, bum. And the plot thickens. So why would God... Why is God asking a mere mortal, Moses, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot? It's almost like he's asking permission or telling telling him to give him permission to just decimate everybody. It, it it like I think God 
Well, I have a theory, and this uh, is just a theory. I think God and Moses were so tight that God wanted to make a point by saying this to Moses. Not God was somehow conditionally, you know, set on what Moses' decision is for Israel, but Moses is in the thick of it, if you know what I mean. And God's like, just let me at him. Because God's, <laughs> at this point, it sounds like God's up, you know, I've had it up to here, young man. But I mean, what Moses says next is is awesome. But I, I just want to just talk about this for just a moment, about God's, God wanting his wrath to burn hot against these stiff-necked people. Because this is this quite frankly is is a is a blatant flat-out betrayal of God himself. Even though like you said Susanna, yes, we agreed and yes, we're trying to keep it, but we're trying to keep it in our own way. But I think Antonio was hinting to they're violating what is it the second second commandment? Yeah, thank you. But uh, I'm not getting the what? What is the word? I'm, the insinuation. I'm not getting the feeling. I'm not getting the what, interpretation. What verse? You said something about God was basically asking Moses to leave so that he can burn the people. And right, it's verse ten. He's like, "Then let me alone, that my anger may burn against them." Yeah. Now, therefore, God's base. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, therefore, let me alone that my, excuse me, that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. That doesn't sound like a confirmation to me. That sounds like an order. Like somebody making a play. It almost sounds like this to me. And I could, I could be way off on this, but it says, now, therefore, let me alone. In other words, God's telling him, just let me do what I'm going to do that my wrath may burn hot against. Because God knows that what? What is Moses going to do next? Is he going to say, okay, God, and obey him? Or is he going to try to defend Israel? That's why I think God had to say, Moses, let me do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's asking for permission. I'm saying it's one of those orders that isn't written in stone, if you know what I mean. Moses, I got a plan. I'm going to do this. I want my wrath to burn hot. Now, let me do this, and I will make a great nation out of you. Because the very next verse, verse 11 says, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Verse 12, why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out of out to do harm, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from the harm your from to harm your people. I'm just saying God knows this is coming and he's saying not like he's asking for permission. I'm just trying to say it sounds like he's like, okay, I got a plan. I know what you're going to say. You know, one of those kind of conversations, like, I know what you're going to say, but just let me do this. I got an idea, you know, but obviously this is a God's, God's, you know, wrath against sin kind of, kind of thing. Like final judgment kind of, I got an idea. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the, remember the 10th plague? Yeah. Something like that. Does this not count like the, uh, revelation where he gets judges of the wicked and, um, 
makes a whole new earth, makes a whole new heaven, and turns his people into a nation. I think that's what he's trying to do with Moses right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a shadow. So, okay, so so verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Isn't that, doesn't that, isn't it off-putting? Just, just hearing that part. God said he was going to do something or that he wanted to do something. This is what I want to do. And he told, I'll, I'll, well, I'll put it in modern human, human-esque terms. He told a friend of his, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. And his friend pleaded him not to. This is the God of the universe now, okay? The one who created everything. Time wouldn't even exist without him. And so he says, friend? Okay. <laughs> you know what this is a good example of, don't you? What? That having a strong relationship of prayer means a lot. It means everything. It can change everything. I don't yeah. know about everything, everything, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I like that. I like much. that. No, that's good. So much so that it could convince God. And in my in the King James Version, it says repent. Convince God to repent. Relent, repent, same thing, basically. Right, right. Well, didn't this happen with Abraham? Do you remember when Abraham, uh, God was sending angels down to Lot in... Yes, Abra- yeah. Uh, yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep, Sodom and... Thank you. Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God... Uh, we say negotiated, because that's what we use, but God basically negotiated with him. God's like, no, I'm going down there. I'm, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be gone. It was actually five cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, Zamoa, and a whole bunch of cities around, this, around the Dead Sea. It's now known as the Dead Sea, but God was going to go down there, but God spoke with Abraham, and apparently, I don't want to necessarily say changed his mind, but God, God valued what Abraham had to say. But one thing I will say in both of those instances, God was not speaking to someone who wanted something with selfish motives. Abraham loved the people that were down in the city. And he also had family down there, right? Moses loved all of Israel and wanted those people saved. Do do you see what I mean? Like God wasn't, God wasn't negotiating or talking to somebody who was, who wanted to get something out of God, like some kind of genie. He was talking to someone in both instances who genuinely wanted something for someone else. They were literally interceding for someone else, not trying to get something for themselves. Do you guys know, I don't know if we talked about this back when, but why like God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? But like it says later, I think maybe in one of the prophets, that you know, the reason why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed was because the people... Um, didn't you know they were hungry and the people didn't feed them and they were needy and the people didn't take care of them and there was widows and orphans and they just turned their noses up at them <laughs> they just didn't love each other yeah yeah the love yeah, was gone and, 
yes i feel like people think they're like oh sodom and sodomy like i think that's like the main reason why i got destroyed but like it says later why and i think it's interesting like these these patterns it's like he's illustrating different problems people are going to have and how he wants what the people deserve for what they're doing and then you have this third party you know um this third party mediator that's saying they don't know what they're doing you know just like later you have jesus you know when they're they're killing him you know they don't know what they're doing don't hold this against them and and what's his job now is to be our high priest and bring our sins to god and god you know with his righteousness would be like none of them can come near me but you know you have jesus that's saying you know they hold on yeah they don't know and you know luckily we have a god that like it says in psalms 103 he knows that we're made from dust and he like <laughs> treats us as such luckily um you know oh go ahead Sorry. but yeah i like this this particular story to me is well even it's interesting you brought up sodom and gomorrah too because these are both very real and prevalent issues that i think still are really common in the church today people aren't loving in the way that god wants them to love and they you know like and the way our system the way our government works it makes it hard to do it that way but then here with the image you see people just wanting to put an image on god and people today people do the exact same thing when you walk into a church you see you see the altar and you see the cross up there and they're saying this is god and honestly even with the bible people bang this bible and they say this saved me you know the bible didn't save you you know jesus was criticizing them for thinking that it was the scriptures that brought them eternal life it's not the scriptures that bring eternal life it's it's what's behind them it's the force behind them and and we get so caught up on the physical on the images that we we like forget that there's the invisible behind it that's so much bigger you know god is not confined to a single book even though it's an amazing book he's not confined to a single building even if they're really awesome buildings with really awesome people <laughs> like he's so much bigger than that and i think that that makes him so angry clearly to see people doing that and like we still do it all the time amen you know i want to add something not to uh yeah i want to add something we've mentioned two types of ways that god reacts to people that he knows pleading to him for something we mentioned abraham please god save them but did he save them he saved those who were faithful to him yes but did he save the cities no we see we now see moses pleading for well basically the israelites the hebrews his 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 people okay god saves them because well the people choose him, right? They chose him in the long run. There are people, what was it, 3,000 people that went into a fiery pit, basically? Uh, semantics right now. That's just semantics. You still <laughs> destroy people that were not faithful, okay? Right, right. Third, so I would like to mention Jonah. Ooh. And, and he's, he's planning for Nineveh to be destroyed. You know, his heart's in the wrong place. He knows God. He has a relationship with him. And yet he pleads for their destruction. Right. What happens? He goes in there. He does what he's supposed to do eventually. And the people repent and not one person was destroyed. 
Yeah. I just thought that that was isn't that weird. Three types of examples that God will do in regards to yeah people and relationships with Him. Right. If your heart is in the right place, He will do it. Well, right. And all heart was not in the right place. Right. And in all three of those examples, it was the people that you know repented that were saved. Right. Yeah. Even when we haven't finished the story yet, but you see that it doesn't have a great ending. For those who not the best ending. are not willing to repent from what they did with the calf. <laughs> well, okay. on that note, let's go ahead and continue on. Uh, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. And the two tables, and th- this, this I found interesting. And the two, two tablets? Tablets, yeah, my apologies. And the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on one side and on the other side it was written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua, which I just find that interesting, that that Hollywood always portrays it, two tablets, you know, four commandments on the left one, and, you know, six on the other one or something like that, but it was actually written on both sides. Like, God did not waste any space. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory. Sorry, this is Moses. It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. Some versions, I believe, say revelry. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses's, Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf, which they had made, burned it in the fire and ground it to powder And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Verse 21, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? Couple questions here. How do you grind a golden, solid golden calf or wooden golden calf, whatever it was made out of? We know it was gold. That we know for sure. How do you grind gold to powder? With his super muscly hands that he carried those stones down the mountain with. <laughs> Just. Man. <laughs> pulverized it. It has to be some kind of grounding sand, like a chisel. What, what was that? Well, uh, it says he burned it. These days. It's kind of like, oh, well, he burned it. It's it's a, it says he burned whatever, it first. It's probably whatever the same sort of tools that they had to fashion it in the first place. You know, like when he, they took all the earrings and melted it down. Like maybe first you kind of grind it all up and then you melt it down. So, well, I also, know. I mean, they did just come from Egypt, so I'm sure they took a lot of their tools with them. I, I mean, they had everything, I'm sure. Yeah. And gold is actually pretty soft. Oh, that I know. Yeah. It's it's pretty soft, but I, it says ground to powder. And then yeah. did it say, uh, it made them drink it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty odd. Scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Like, is it all of Israel? Because we're talking about a couple million people here. No. Like I mean, I guess if everyone they had to drink a lot of the dust. Yeah, if everyone gave their earrings, you know, there probably would have been enough for everyone. <laughs> Maybe. 
because everyone already gave up something, so everyone's getting it back. Oh, I don't know. Wouldn't that poison them though? Because I thought like gold can can poison you if it gets in your bloodstream or something like. I, I guess if you eat it, it wouldn't do anything. No, to people you. actually eat gold on purpose because I thought you get like... heavy metal poisoning if it gets in your bloodstream. Well, maybe if you inject it into your bloodstream. But I'm just I don't saying, know, like, yeah. like you, you there's digest this. You, you, all all that will happen is that you will just it out. You know, so, so certain metals like gold and silver, um, like gold, I think it actually removes impurities from your body. Like it kind of like pulls things to it, like a magnet. Oh, that might maybe. Oh, really? I know silver. Out. I know silver will well, kill the bacteria and yeah, viral. silver's antiviral, antibacterial. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, here's what I know about eating gold. There's alcohol that drinks that has gold dust in it, and there is a place that sells chicken wings. Like the little miniature chicken wings you get at Domino's or Pizza Hut, they sell those type of chicken wings and they cover it in gold and then like a gold uh, like fili sauce. filigree. Oh, like a yeah, sauce. Yeah, I had a a gold covered ice cream cone when I was in Japan. Yeah. It was like I think it was in Kyoto because that's the place where they have the giant gold temple and it's like the city of gold. So you could go and you could get an ice cream cone and they use like a super thin leaf paper of gold, but it was like a hundred percent gold. And they put it over the ice cream cone, and it just, like, sticks to it. So it looks like a completely gold ice cream cone. And you just eat it. And you're still alive. Yeah, I know. Gold's <laughs> super good for you. This is, like, having heard the conspiracy theories about why, like, super rich people, like, look so good, it's because they have gold in all their products. Oh. And if you no, buy, I like, really high-end beauty products and stuff, it'll have gold in it. Yeah, wow, that's – ooh, man, that's going to open up a whole new study for me because – if God created the world, like right now we got to dig for our metals, right? But I've I've heard in some of these books that kind of talk about the creation and stuff. They're like, God wouldn't have done that. Like, it's not his personality to hide this stuff. He would have had gold, like, scattered in the grass. Like, it would have been like weird rocks and silver. Like, oh, there's a vein of silver over there. Yeah, you can see some of it's poking out of the grass over there. You know what I mean? So, like, that, that's, that brings up a whole new slew of questions when it comes to the creation to me Ooh. <laughs> yeah, right well um gold also people ingest it because it's supposed to protect you against radiation so a theory of this is that moses was actually trying to protect the people from god like if god was going to come down the mountain and try to like <laughs> hurt them he was like using the gold and having them eat that eat it to like protect them that's interesting. No, that's a new perspective. Yeah. Well, you talked yeah, about this talked before. About, we've talked about the radiation we did. how God's yep. like the sun yep. and how it can hurt yeah. you if you're bad. Be good God for is a you consuming if you're good. fire. Yeah, yeah God yeah, is, and yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're following in line with like that kind of scientific approach to how an interaction with him would leave you. Come on to um, me and make yourself gold. Yeah. Jesus said it. Now, now during all this though, Moses threw down the tablets. See, signifying as far as as far as the sig signal or, or sign is concerned, he threw it down, stating, "You've broken the covenant," right? But that was God. God carved those out, wrote them with His own finger, and handed it to Him. Like Moses must have been really cheesed off, really cheesed off to be able to take a gift of God that God carved Himself. Out of his own, I believe there, and we kind of talked about this, out of his own throne, technically. He carved it out and gave it to him. And now he is so upset at the children of Israel, he just chucks it at the ground 
uh, like at, at this, it says at the, at the foot of the mountain. Okay. So it's at the mountain somewhere. I know Hollywood always portrays it, that he chucks him at the, the golden calf and it explodes or, or, you know, whatever, but it just says that he just threw it down at the, at the base of the mountain or the foot of the mountain. You know what the best thing about that is though? God said, I understand why you did it. I hear, here's another set. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll get you another one. It's okay, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let, let's continue on verse 22. So Aaron said, so that Moses, let me, let me back up a little bit. Let, let me go back to 21. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, uh, they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Verse 24, and I wait, 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 wait. Okay, go ahead. I'm ha- this kind of reminds me of the Adam and Eve situation where God comes and finds Adam and Eve. So in this case, like the people of Israel would be Eve and Aaron would be Adam. And you know, Eve is like, Oh, it's not my fault, you know, Aaron's in charge. And then Aaron is like, They tempted me, they told me, they made me do it. You know, like they're both kind of I like. I feel like his dialogue just fits that so well. Like, That's it's a, good, it's kind a of, real parallel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because they took the, in you know Adam and Eve, it was taking a bite of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, so like, that's kind of that like making yourselves God, knowing right from wrong, and like here they made the golden calf, which was that physical representation of like. I mean, the same thing. It's kind of the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they like made for themselves. Yeah. I mean, either way, both of the situations had to do with obedience and more or less. And this is this is kind of hard to say because we all we all value uh, free will and decision making and stuff, which is great. But God held that stuff back from them for a reason. In, in the Adam and Eve story. And this one, God held them back from making idols for a reason. God knew what would happen if they made idols and then all of a sudden they, you know, they started worshiping them and, and what would happen to them. Doesn't this also answer your question about whether or not Aaron put up a fight or not? Well, I, I kind of yes and no. It, it sounds like he just. Yeah, it sounds like he just went with it because the people yeah. mischief. He was like. Okay. Well, well, the end. I'm the, surrounded by a lot of people here. Maybe I. Maybe I should just comply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but verse 24 adds another whole layer to this. It says, "And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off." So they gave it to me, and I. And up to this point, he is told 100% truth. Like it's almost a copy paste right from what happened before, right? Many verses before, but right here it says, "And I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out." Like, he's going on this elaborate story and giving every little minute detail, and all of a sudden it seems like one of two things is either happening. Either he's seeing that Moses is getting really ticked off, and he's like, I'd better end this story real quick. Or he's, like, really trying to cover himself up somehow. 
well, we've seen a lot of miracles. Maybe, eh, you know, maybe gold can be thrown into a fire and a calf can come out because God did this, you know, like he's, yeah, he's almost chance. blaming it's it on God. Just, yeah. <laughs> right. right? I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. formed itself. Yeah. Right. And that's, that would go, you know, that would harken back to the Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve both blame somebody else. It could be you know. possible an evil spirit form that after all, there is a lot of false gods out there that are in the shape of a calf or a cow somehow. I mean, Kamadu Hindu, a Hindu mm-hmm. and God. There is an Egyptian God that was made out of, that was for cattle. Yep. You know, that just, demons got a thing for cows. Maybe that's I, why they always end up dead when there's an alien sighting. <laughs> poor cows, man. They got, they got it raw. <laughs> they got the raw God, end of the deal on this cows, one. Poor cows, man. Poor cows. But, okay. You know what? In Genesis, it says that you will be cursed above all cattle. Oh, for the serpent? Yeah. Yep. Maybe that has something to do with the, the cattle, with the cow thing. I find that interesting, too, like in Genesis. And I don't want to go off on this bird walk, but I find it interesting that he said you shall be cursed above all cattle. A snake is not cattle. Like, it is a beast. It is a beast. And,. And it depends on the definition of cattle, what they're using. I don't know. Maybe snakes I were mean, considered cattles. cattles before. <laughs> is is there a certain definition that defines cattle in Genesis? Not well. Well, we got to think of a couple of things when it comes to Genesis. Number one, it's it's written from Moses. Moses was the one that edited or wrote it or however you want to word that. So he wrote it with the assumption that you've already been through like Exodus and Deuteronomy and stuff like that. Cause he did not include a lot of the, the, you know, like the clean and unclean animal thing. He didn't define it in Genesis, but that's because he defined it in Exodus and Deuteronomy and numbers, you know? So like he's laboring, like, I don't think Genesis is like the first book. He probably wrote, you know, Exodus and Deuteronomy way before he ever got to, okay, let's go back even further back, you know? So it's plausible. I don't have any evidence against it. <laughs> I'm just saying he doesn't give detail on clean and unclean animals. He doesn't give detail on a lot of things in Genesis. He goes to the detail in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, but no, that's, that's interesting though. Yeah. All right. Verse 25. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. What does that mean? For Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Mine says, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Does that shed any light on it? <laughs> I guess so. So all this is saying is, is for... Right? Yes, sir. So all this is saying, if I can reword this, so for Aaron did not stop them from do because Aaron did not stop them from doing what they did and did not, this one says to their shame, but and yours says derision, basically the same thing. Basically he, he didn't guide them in the way they should be feeling for doing these type of things, these type of shameful things in front of the Lord, that it was his responsibility to be that spiritual leader and say, Hey, hey, hey whoa, we shouldn't be doing this. Um, I got the I got the NLT version in front. I got both the King James and the NLT uh, Bible that's connected. Okay, now, go for it. I like what the NLT says here. It kind of, you know, I'm not going to go into background of why I like the King James version, but uh, 
very rarely do I like what the NLT says anymore. And uh, my it says, Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. Yeah, that's similar though. It that, says to the being naked. I mean, after all, if you don't have the clothes of righteousness on you, you are naked. I guess it throws me off because what enemies? Right now, they are in the they are in the literal wilderness where nobody lives, at the mountain of God. Uh, there's not a whole lot of neighbors around here right now. There's also evil spirits. Oh, that would be a good point. Like the devil. <laughs> This um, just makes me think more of like the Adam and Eve story, how they were like embarrassed. Like, I feel like this is saying like, oh, now they're embarrassed. Like, they, they like Aaron let them do this so that they're embarrassed for their enemies. Well, there's no one around, but there wasn't anyone around Adam and Eve in there in the garden either. Right. It like, says that they were, they were, they they were ashamed and felt naked or something like that. They found out they were naked. Yeah. There were enemies around, actually, remember? Because Moses had to defeat the enemies around them later on. Later on, once yeah. they get into the land. Well, right. no, before they, they get into the land, no, they fight. Oh, they fight no, two no, or I'm three kings. I'm not talking kings. about the Israelite land. I'm talking about where they right. are right now. They yeah, to fight right. Some people. Yeah, right now they're in Saudi Arabia. What's modern day Saudi Arabia? Okay, so verse twenty six. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, "Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me." And all the sons of Levi gathered, gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword. Okay, so, so Levi, all the descendants of Levi gathered to Moses. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put on his sword to his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. <laughs> So Moses went, if I, if I can recap, Moses went to the entrance of the camp or the gate of the camp or the, the place of meeting for the camp, right? The, the village square or whatever. And shouted out, hey, everyone who is on God's side, come to me. And then only Levi, Levi's descendants come to him? Sounds like it. But only 3,000 people died. That part I don't understand. If, they, if only Levi came, that's one-twelfth of all of Israel. And we know there was, what, 500,000 men alone? That doesn't even include, you know, men, women, and children, or women and children, right? And cattle and all that stuff. I don't know. I, I want to say it was, like was... sorry. How many people did you say there were? I, I was going to say, I thought it said 500,000 men, but that didn't include women or children. So there have been estimates that it was probably about two and a half million people. If it was, you know, five or it was if it was just over half a million men, then the families obviously would have been large and there would have been wives involved in that group and children and cattle and all that stuff. So why is it I'm not I'm not, you know, rooting to kill more people, but I'm saying why was it only three thousand 
Was it just those who were the offenders? That, like the primary offender, you know what I'm saying? Like the primary ones that really pushed for this? It doesn't really, it's it's not really clear on this. Yeah, when I read this the first time, I was thinking maybe that was just all the men that were like, the that ring, age, the you know, like or... not the elderly, not the kids, but like just the kind of prime fighting age. But I guess that's the kind of age, that's the number that they always get give is like that prime age, not including the women and children. So right, right. it does seem like it should be more. But yeah, but it's not like they killed everybody, but 3,000, I mean, that would still be a good chunk. If you're talking about the, the, the prime fighting age, that's probably a good chunk of them because even if there's like half a million men, you got to think about that. Some of the men would have been a little bit younger. Some of them would have been a little bit older and reaching that age of, I can't really fight anymore. So you would have had the whole gambit. I, I don't know. They said everybody, basically Moses said, put the sword to everybody. And I think what happened is if the sword touched them, they died if they wasn't really for God. Is that could have what happened? Is that what they explained here? I mean, they I mean, I don't one see thing that's a possible is they put them next to their side, kind of like what the what the uh, the prophets did with the stones and David. Mine says, "Let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor." That's all it says in mine. You are supposed to kill. This is a and, and so so everybody understands this. I understand it's it's usually really hard for to swallow these moments when God tells. Egypt, or I'm sorry, God tells Israel to kill somebody. But a lot of times when God does that, especially when they go into the promised land, a lot of times it was not on a whim that God said, hey, go kill these people. It was for judgment, like actual end time. These people are not written in the book of life, judgment. And God was making, making Israel do this because he wanted to prove a point to Israel. They had to see what sin would, what sin brings about. Just a possibility. I tend to see, look at the Bible, obviously as, you know, literal in history, but also as a lot of metaphorical in there. And I think a lot of the numbers specifically have a lot of more like metaphorical meaning as what they are. So whether or not it's exactly 3,000 people or the number three in the Bible does kind of have that that meaning of completeness or wholeness. So they could have used that 3,000 to literally mean everybody. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 3,000 is what completed it. Maybe yeah. it was literally 3,000, but like what you're saying with that completion type of thing. Because you're, you're right, the number three, the, number three is significant. Like three, it, obviously, you know, the Godhead, that kind of stuff. And 1,000 is the highest... Uh, numerical denominator given in scripture is actually thousand. So that could mean, I mean, that's, that is significant, but it could mean that maybe when they got to 3000, Moses was like, okay, we're done. The points, yeah. the point's been proven, you know, like yeah. this completes it. Yeah. And they yeah. might've understood that. So like the ones that survived might've been like, <laughs> <laughs> like they <laughs> got the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, only a few verses, unless you guys got something, I don't want to, Okay. No, uh, I'm still confused about the verse. I know it's it's this one's <laughs> I knew that I knew this chapter was gonna be wonky. 
Okay, so verse 30. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, so now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement or at one for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, And these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a god of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now, therefore, go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf, which, and I like this, how this ended, which Aaron made. <laughs> like, they're like, no, Aaron did it. Like, he just he pointed that right back at him. That is fascinating. Um, that is such a foreshadow of Revelations. I know, right? I, I looked, I actually, I looked it up. Um, in, 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 oh, let me find it. Let me find hey, it. By the way, King James versus says gods. Made Wait, gods? Go. Yeah, made gods of gold. Check this out. Little G. Revelation 3. Okay, yeah. Revelation 3, 4 says... You have a few names, even in Sadras, who have not defiled. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three, five. Uh, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. In the book of life or God's books, I, I want to say in scripture, have been referenced. Yeah, you just said it. It's been referenced. Yeah, it's been referenced. Throughout, throughout the... I want to say like four times or so in scripture that God is writing a book. Or at least not just one. I think, isn't there... There's a books. book of There's a book of life. There's a book of like history. Like there's angels or something like that dedicated to our history, like writing down everything we've ever done or something like that. And then there's another book. I can't remember the, the other book, but I know I remember the book of life. That's it's called the lamb's book of life. The other one, by the way, in revelation 21, I think it's 21, 23. It says the same thing, but it talks, it calls it the lamb's book of life. So yeah. Yeah. I did. And, and uh, what is it? 19 and 20, I believe there's a few times in revelations around revelation 20, something and revelation 19 ish. It talks about books and the book of life. Notice that it's plural. Yeah. And there were, I think it says, the and there were books and there were books written or something like that. Yes. The books were opened. Opened. opened books, yeah. And they were opened and the book of life was opened, separated from the books. Yep. Separate. Yep. Individualized. The, the other verse in Revelation is 21. 27 but there shall be no means neither it anything that defiles nor cause any, any abomination or a lie but only those this is talking about who's going to be in heaven but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life to me it sounds like 
that 40 days that Moses spent with God was what he wrote down in that 40 days. I think God showed him way more, way, I think way he showed more. Him everything. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he knew Which is way... probably why he was deserving of a resurrection. Right. I, I just, did. yeah, he had to have I mean, known way, think that's way why more. He was, but one of the reasons. Well, doesn't, doesn't it say one part where he, he was the friend of God or was that just Abraham? No, it says that Moses was, they, it says like they looked, I think it was going to say they looked upon each other face to face like friends or something like that, which is weird. Well, I mean, this, (laughs) this comes back to a core understanding and this, this is something that's, I, I wish more people would get this because the salvation message and, and just life in general like many people have asked this question i remember when i was a child i heard this and it didn't make sense but now that i'm adult i i I see it through a different lens when people are like well you can't answer the question what's the meaning of life i can tell you what the meaning of life in one word relationships that's it that is the purpose in life that is the meaning of life now the the bigger question is is relationship with who okay now obviously the ultimate relationship is with god because he's the creator God. He is the one that made you. But relationships is what is holy. this is all about. What was that? The meaning of life is to be holy. Right. But how do we know how to be holy? To have a relationship with God. To have a relationship with God. Right. And that's why I'm saying. Be holy is to have a relationship with God. You can't be holy without Exactly. It's, isn't it this like endless cycle? Like you need the relationship, but once you get the relationship with God, you start becoming holy and righteous and Yet, the more righteous you become, I say more righteous you become, the more you find you need God and you get closer to God. And like, it's this, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Like it's bread. Oh, you'd almost think God programmed this into life, man. I mean. Eh. Yeah, you would think. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do, do, do I, either of you have any last comments or? Anything I don't I don't want to lose anything because this is like the capstone of Israel before they really get on the move and stuff really starts happening because after this they just start traveling and plagues and weird stuff happens where God is trying to use them and keep them alive for the for honestly becoming Messiah. Yeah, I mean I think what goes on after this is just this story continued this story like over and over again like they just kind of keep doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and then we're still doing we're still doing the same thing (laughs) right 40 years wash rinse repeat right (laughs) okay well then i guess i will go ahead and close out dear heavenly father we thank you for this time we thank you so much for your holy word uh for this story father please help all of us who have read it who have been following along who have been through this story, who may read it again. Father, show us what we need in our own lives to better understand, most importantly, you and how you uh, relate to us and how we can relate better to you, Jesus. Um, Father, we love you so much for all you've done for us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, this has been Justin. This has been Antonio. This is Susanna. Thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next time. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. 
And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. No, not Noah. Um, no, not Noah. Jonah. Jonah, Jonah and Jonah. Thank Jonah. You. Jonah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, Jonah. I'm sorry, not Noah. Jonah. Starts with an N. I can't remember. Nineveh. Nineveh. Yeah. <laughs> Go back at it, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to mention Noah. No. Jonah. Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. I would like to mention Jonah. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.
Excellent. I'm glad we were able to finally do this. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a paint scraper? Uh, it's not a paint scraper. What is it? Spatula? Scraper. <laughs> it is for my 3D printer. Ah. Uh. To scrape my prints off. But it is a scraper, nonetheless. It is. Just, I don't use it for paint. I could use it for paint, I suppose. So it is a paint scraper. Or for cake. Ooh. I like her idea better. Yeah. (laughs) I got a banana nut muffin calling my name now. You put nuts in it? Well, these are bought, but yeah, I've been making banana bread. Banana nut bread. Yeah. I've been getting kind of good at it, actually. It's my first bread I ever made was banana nut bread. Have you guys seen the uh, some of those recipe books from the Great Depression? No. Yeah. I watched a video of an old lady make uh, the Great Depression meal. Oh. Involved ham. Yeah, there's involved hot dogs. There's a lot of them that involve stuff like like hot dogs and, and spam and stuff like that. Cause it was great yeah. depression, you know, you but, eat, yeah, if it was, yeah, I, I saw one guy make a, they called it a Ritz cracker, apple pie. Mm. And it has no apples. It has no apples in it. Oh, that's okay. Weird. I have not done. That. Right. It's all it has. <laughs> <laughs> all it has is crushed Ritz crackers, some lemon juice, you know, some cinnamon, nutmeg and normal stuff. You put in like, apples and i think some sugar water gelatin stuff or something and you just pour disgusting. it all in a pan and the guy is it's what this guy does he like he tests recipes like really old recipes this is like his thing his his kitchen is old and you know like he's got all the old style stuff in it you know uh just any, anyway stuff like that and he cooked it and he goes this looks disgusting and it sounds gross but he took a bite of it he goes I don't know how this tastes like apples. It tastes like <laughs> apples. It, it, it sound yeah, it tasted like apples. I go, oh, I want to try that now. But it was it, seriously, it was just crushed rich crackers and lemon juice and like some sugar boiled in some sugar and some spices, and that was it. I'm like, how do they? Do? Although I guess if you're in the Great how Depression, they survive. I mean, go outside and get some like nuts and dandelions and make some sourdough bread and just eat that every day that's way more nutritious hey i'm i i like i wish my lawn had more dandelions had more my lawn does not have any weeds in it i have to go i've been treated i don't know we've lived here for years i've never gotten my lawn done i don't spray anything on my lawn but we do not have have weeds we just don't have weeds like dandelions no dan no dandelions yeah yeah, they come around to fix your soil. So if your soil is really good, you won't have weeds like dandelions. Because yeah. I got to go to my sister-in-law's house to get him, and she has them all over her soil. Her soil underneath her her grass is sand. It's really bad oh. soil. It's really bad. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we'll go we'll go over there, and Antonio, it's awesome. It tastes so good. It's called dandelion jelly. Yes, I've had dandelion jelly. Oh, it is so it. good. Yes, it I is so good. I've had dandelion stuff before. Yeah? I actually ate dandelions in high school, so. Yeah, it, it tastes like well, people, honey. People used to call the dandelion flower honey flowers because yeah. they're so sweet that they taste like honey. Yeah. 
It was really good. Like the kids and I, we all go out there with scissors and just cut the tops off of clovers them. Clovers are and... good too. Yeah, clovers are good. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. I... See, I've only lived in my house for like three years now, so I'd be hesitant about picking the the weeds because I'd be afraid that you know they've used tons of yucky stuff pest- on it. Yeah, like chemicals and stuff. Closest but... thing to chemicals my sister-in-law has is horse poop. Yeah, so it's probably really good over there. I'd have to go. <laughs> If it ever comes to eating the stuff in the grass, I'll have to go to someone else's house. I don't know if I trust mine. Hey, isn't it the leaves on a dandelion you can eat? Like you can. Make you can a eat salad? the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the leaves are really good. Even for the you. stem. What do you do with the stem? Um, probably boil it into like a tea. Oh well, yeah. I guess you could do a tea. Dr. Like Veth has a uh, a video on how to turn dandelions into a tea. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can take yeah. a tea. You can even, you know, make like a tincture, like make it super concentrated, like to get more of the health benefits. Well, I mean, that's how that's how we had to make uh, dandelion jelly. We had to make a, uh, like what do they really call it? They call it a steep. Like you had to steep it for a mm-hmm. long time, like in the fridge. Like you boil it in water for a long time, and then you leave it in that same water in the fridge and just let it sit for days like a couple days and then it gets super like the water turns like really yellow and then then you mix in your your gelatins or sugars or pectins or whatever you're supposed to put in there right i don't remember tanya did it i just made the steep (laughs) and And ate it and ate it (laughs) but okay guys i have to see what my family's up to yeah i gotta let my dogs out there doing the dance oh man (laughs) see you guys. guys thanks
Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it.
Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.